about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Alrighty, take your Bibles tonight, go to John chapter 1, John's Gospel chapter 1. Father, I thank you for your word tonight on the kingdom. I thank you for opening our eyes and our minds up to what you want us to, to grasp and to change and to, to, to be converted to the way you want us to be. Father, we thank you for what you're doing through these teachings and through the teachings of Jesus. And we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, last week we started talking about the kingdom of God. We found out that Jesus walked the earth and he always preached about what? The kingdom of God. Everything that he did was about the kingdom of God. That was his mission. That was what he was supposed to do. Here in John's Gospel, chapter 1, look at verse 12. It says, But as many as receive him, talking about Jesus, to them gave he power or authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of who? God. So here it's talking about people who have been born into the kingdom of God, who have become citizens of the kingdom of God. Notice if you've been born in the kingdom of God, you are family with God. Here it says you have the ability to become. When you're born, you are a son, but you must change your thought life into understanding who you are to act like a son. So here it says you are a son of God, you're instantly in the family of God, and you are born of God. Now notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say you're a lowly servant, it doesn't say you're a weakling doesn't say you're a sinner, doesn't say you're a failure. The attitude of religion basically in my life convinced me, number one, that I was still a sinner. I was a slave. I was low class, according to God. I was a servant. And basically what it was, it tried to convince me I was like the prodigal son who ended up in the pig pen. And that's the way we were taught. We taught that as humility. But God's view, as you read it in the Bible, is completely different than that thought life as you read what God has to say about it. So God basically wants to work on our thought life. He wants to invade our lives. The kingdom of God wants to invade our thoughts, our language, our ways, basically, so that we line up because we've been made back into the image and likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our job is to start to think like a son, live like a son, act like a son, be restored to our original God-likeness. Notice, God does not want to rule us. He wants to rule with us. God wants to rule with us. He's the one in heaven. He is the king up there. He's ruling over heaven. How many know heaven's doing pretty good? But he didn't do that. He sent man down here to be the ruler over the earth under his jurisdiction. And basically man has the opportunity now to rule here on the earth. You will rule from a status of being a son of God, not a sinner. Right, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners. Now, why, when were you a stranger and a former, foreigner? Before you got born again into the kingdom of God. You are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are now fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So this, once again, is there to change our thinking. At one time we were foreigners. At one time we were separated from God. But now here it says we are sons and we are 
citizens. The entire Bible is not about religion, has nothing to do with religion. It has to do about a government called the kingdom of God. God came to bring his rule back to earth through mankind, basically as a kingdom. Now, a kingdom is different than a democracy. That's why a lot of times we have trouble understanding it. In a kingdom, you do not vote in or out the king. The king is the king. I mean, we vote in and out our leaders, our presidents, everything else. It's not that way in a king. The king is the king, and nobody can vote him out. You do not make the laws. In a democracy, you can vote for different laws. You can vote for different things. In a kingdom, the king makes the laws, and you cannot change the laws that he made. And it's not even like an earthly kingdom, basically. So what do we have to do? You have to study the Constitution and the laws that are in this book because they're different than the Constitution and the laws of the United States or anywhere else. The earthly kingdom, if there is one, basically, every earthly kingdom has something called subjects. Subjects basically come from the prefix sub. What does sub mean? It means below. It means reject. It means a lower standard. So subject mentality gives you a low self-value, low self-esteem, below royalty. God's kingdom has no subjects. It's completely different. It only has sons, and it only has family members. It has citizens who are not subjects, sons who are not servants. The Bible never said Jesus is the king of subjects. It said he's the king of king of kings. So we are sons, we are kings, different than an earthly kingdom, even if we study earthly kingdom. Earthly kingdom basically does not allow you to go up and sit in the queen's seat. How I many of you know when it went over in England and you wanted to sit in the queen's seat, you can't go up there and throw her out and say, I want to sit in your seat. You'll probably be arrested and you'll be thrown away. But in the kingdom of God, it's different. The Bible says when you came into the kingdom of God, you have been raised and seated in kingly, heavenly places with him. So you do sit on the seat where the king says and where the king sits because it's God's kingdom, not the earthly kingdom. I really like this one. In the earthly kingdom, subjects will die and fight to protect their king. In the kingdom of God, the king died to save the citizens. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah, he died to save the citizens. Completely different. So you can't study worldly kingdoms and come up and, and get a mindset towards God's kingdom because they are different. Even when it comes to Christianity, Christians have become religious creatures. Citizens are legal creatures. Christians are comfortable anymore. They don't care really if they're sick. They don't really mind if they're depressed. They don't even care what's going wrong in their life because everybody feels in Christianity that's just God wants us to do because he's the one in charge of my life. And if he wants me sick, I'm sick. If he wants me down, I'm down. If he wants me this, I'm that. But notice that's not King God's kingdom. Citizens know who they are. They will find out their rights and they will enforce and activate them with faith. In other words, when you get a kingly mentality and a son mentality, you will no longer start to put up with things that you before put up with as a Christian because it was accepted as a Christian. But as in the kingdom of God, it's no longer accepted in there because Jesus came and he already has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's already healed us. He's already given us all these things. So when you make the switch, you'll no longer tolerate things that you used to tolerate before. You will start to fight against those things and believe against those things because it's a different thought life all the way around. Christians basically, when I, when I had a Christian mindset, I spent most of my time doing acts of worship basically to appease God. 
I wanted to get things from God. I knew God had everything, and I wanted to get things from Him. So my prayers were about getting Him. I was trying to manipulate Him. I was trying to do works in order for God to do something with me. When you become a citizen and you become kingdom-minded, you will know God as Father, and there'll be no appeasement necessary. Glory to God. Why? Because He's Father. My Father knows what I need, and my Father will take care of what I need. So there's no sense trying to perform for him, no, no sense trying to manipulate him, no sense trying to make him do something, because in the kingdom he's already done everything that you want done, so you're not trying to bribe him to do something anymore. He's just your father, and you fully expect him to take care of everything in your life. Now, why do we fully expect him to take care of everything in our life? Because he said he would take care of everything in our life. It's very simple. That's what daddy said. I know your problems. I know what you need. Is, is he going to give you a, a scorpion instead of a fish? No, he's not going to do anything. Is he going to give you the devil rather than the Holy Ghost? No, he's not going to do those things because he's a good father. When you come into the mindset of a kingdom, you will start to relax not worry so much, not fear so much. Why? Because your father knows, and it's your father's responsibility to take care of you. Now, he cannot take care of you if you have the wrong attitude, if you have a Christian attitude. And everybody with a Christian attitude tries to believe God for something most of the time that they've already got. Remember, we talked Sunday basically about what Eve did. He came and he said, you will be like God's. And, and she failed anyway. And the reason why she ate was because she didn't already know she was like God's. Well, the devil will come to you and he'll say, hey, you better pray real hard so God will heal you. Well, how many know you can't pray real hard for God to heal you because God already healed you and God's not going to heal you again? Well, God will forgive you. No, he's already forgiven you. So basically it changes your way of thinking and Christianity is always in a place. And anymore, the, the bad part about it is it's even lumped in with the other religions. Whenever they talk about Hindu and Buddhist and New Age and Islam, they always say, and Christianity. So all we've become basically is another religion thrown in with the rest of the religion. But religion basically is man's continual search for God. When I was in religion, I was searching for God. When I was in religion, I was doing things to get to God. I was going after God. I was doing things that God would see me and come do something. But Christianity or the kingdom basically is not going after God. It's God has come down for you. Yes. Glory to God. The Bible says that the veil was rent from Top to bottom, never from bottom to top, but 90% of Christianity is trying to rip the veil from the bottom so that they get to God, but God already tore the veil from the top. He has come down. You are not pursuing God. God has been pursuing you from day one. Praise God. And he's not trying to get you to heaven. He's trying to get heaven to you here on the earth. Hallelujah. So there's different thought lives that we're going to go, that we're going to see different in our lives. When you believe the kingdom thought life, you'll start to walk with a new confidence a new boldness, a, a new attitude. But as long as you're a citizen, basically, you get a failure mentality. Oh, I'm always a loser. Oh, it never works out for me. Oh, I never got enough. Oh, things don't get well. Well, all that stuff is not a kingly mentality. I mean, if you could imagine yourself, sometimes I imagine myself as a king, and I'm in my castle. And if somebody comes to me, I'm not going to complain about this or that. I'm going to deal with it because I rule over everybody in my kingdom, and I rule over everything in my kingdom, so it gives me a different attitude. When things attack you from the evil realm or from the devil, you're a king. You might as well rule over those things that are coming against you. The devil's not a king. You are a king. You are a son. You are a member of the family, and you are a citizen with rights. So that mindset continues to get changed as you study the kingdom of God and see how Jesus operated in the kingdom. How many of you ever saw Jesus run away from anything? No, never. How I many ever saw him get frayed and, and start chewing his fingernails? No. Why? He was a king. 
He knew he was a king. He acted like a king. Did he rule over everything? He ruled over the water. He walked on it. He ruled over the storm. He said, peace be still. He knew who he was as a king. Now, we've got to take our mentality from where it is and where we've been taught by religion to a place of kingdom mentality where we understand who we really are. We are sons of the living God. We are born of God himself, and we are kings, and we are priests unto God. All right, go to Galatians chapter 4. All right, Galatians chapter 4, now Paul deals with this same thing. He says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit of his son in your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore you are no more a servant or slave, but you are now a son. And if a son, then you are a heir of God. Praise God. So what's he saying here? He's saying, here, here's the way it is. If you're going to think like a religious person, if you're going to think like a loser, if you're going to think like a servant, if you're going to think like a slave, even though you're not a slave, even though you're not a servant, you are a son and Lord over all, you're going to live of life like a servant, basically because your thought life dictates what you're going to do in that situation. So here it says, as long as you remain religious Christian thinking, you're going to live like a servant and like a slave. But really, at that time, you are an heir and a son of God and Lord of all. Now the question is, what do you think about yourself? Where do you see yourself? Who are you? Are you a servant? Are you a slave? Are you a king? Are you a son? It all depends what you think. And this is why there is no jealousy in the body of Christ, because everybody can think the same thing of who they are because they are and grow into a place. So it's up to us individually whether we're going to grow into that place or not grow into that place. So he says, hey, if you're going to act like a servant, you're going to live like one. But you're not a servant, you're a Lord, you're an heir. And I know who you are an heir of. You're an heir of who? God, how many know if you're going to be an heir? I'd rather be an heir of God than any rich person. I don't care if he's a billionaire. I'd rather be an heir of God, if you don't mind, than a rich person. Why? Because God has everything. And notice, it doesn't say you're going to be an heir. It says you are an heir. Now, how can I be an heir already when I haven't died? Because being an heir doesn't base on when you die. It bases on the person who left you the inheritance dies, and Jesus already died, which means the inheritance belongs to me. So, so most Christians are running around praying and trying to get the inheritance by works, not knowing that they've been born into, born again into an inheritance that already belongs to each and every one of them. Look at verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. How many know that was Jesus? He redeemed them that were under the law that we might receive the adoptions of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son in your hearts where you cry now, Abba, Father. Do you see the switch again? He's no longer just God to you. He's no longer just provider. He's Father. He's provider. He's God. You're no longer in worry because you're trusting him. You're not trying to get things from him. So another translation says, God sent his son to redeem us as full sons with full rights in the kingdom of God. Say full rights. 
How many know full rights in the kingdom of God gives you a right to access anything that the kingdom of God has? How many know the kingdom of God is lacking in nothing? You cannot out-access the kingdom of God. It's impossible to do. So basically, God sent his son to redeem us, to make us, give us full sons and full rights. You're no longer a servant. You are now a son. You have royal blood. You have royal position. You are an heir. You're a son. You're a king. But as long as you remain a child in your thinking, you're going to live like a slave. You're going to live like a loser. And once again, this is for, is this just for males or females? Is this just for black people or white people? Is it for Jews or Greeks? It's for everybody, isn't it? So you can do all the racism stuff you want, but the thing, thing's provided for everybody. God doesn't care what color you are or what's going on. Everybody has the same opportunity once they get born in the kingdom of God to take on the sonship king mindset and start thinking and acting and, and living like a king. All right, go to Revelations chapter 1. All right, Revelations chapter 1, look at verse 5. It says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This shows you, number one, Jesus did not come so he could take you to heaven. He came to restore your position and your power and your nature back to you through his suffering and death. Heaven does not need reinforcements. They don't need you up there. God needs you down here. You were created in God's image and likeness, and you were given a purpose. That purpose was to rule earth, not heaven. So man was created to be king over a domain, and that domain is the earth. When Adam fell... He lost his position. He lost his dominion. He lost the spirit of God, and he lost his kingdom. Now, after losing the spirit of God and his kingdom, he no longer had a purpose because his purpose was to use the spirit of God and extend the kingdom of God for God. He no longer had the nature to do it. He no longer had the spirit of God to do it. So God sent Jesus to the cross. Why did he send him? Well, it says here, so because he loved us, and he washed us from our sins in his own what? Now this, for me, for years, was the Christian gospel. How I many you know this is a Christian gospel? Jesus' blood, he loved us, he, his blood was there, and his blood basically was to cleanse us from all sin. But the kingdom gospel is the next verse also, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, how many of you heard that? Oh, he washed away your sins. Jesus loves you. Yes, just do your best now. Hopefully something will happen good. Hopefully nobody ever wants to tell you that you are a king and a priest unto God and you were made that way by what Jesus did on the cross. They'll tell you you're getting there. You got a chance to get there. Just do your best for now. You're a servant. You're a slave, but you are a king according to this and a priest. Now, how does a king serve God? He acts like a king. If you're going to extend God's kingdom in here, in the earth realm, you're going to have to use authority. You're going to have to use power. You're going to have to act like a king to rule over things that come against your life and other people's lives. So we must lose the servant-victim mentality and think like a king. What were we made kings for? 
Number one, to bring heaven to earth. We were made kings to bring the heaven to the earth. We were never made kings to go to heaven. Let me just hit that quick. It's a little early, but we're going to hit it anyway. You were not created to die and go live with Jesus in heaven forever. Everybody says, I can't wait to die and go to live with Jesus forever. Well, you're not going to live in heaven with Jesus forever because the original plan of God was for man to rule where? And you're going to be returned to earth sooner or later, and you're going to do what God's original plan was. He's not going to change it just because we messed it up. So you're not going to live with Jesus in heaven forever and ever. You're going to be restored sometime back to the earth, and the earth, how many know, is going to be better then? There's going to be a lot of changes then, and where God's going to get his way and what he wants to do. So basically, you were made kings to be a son, a citizen, a king, and a priest. You were given all those things to fulfill God's original intent, which was to establish his kingdom here on the earth. Jesus said, repent, the kingdom is here. What's repent? It doesn't necessarily mean stop sinning. It means stop thinking stupid. See, everybody says, well, I'm not going to try to sin anymore. The only reason why you're sinning is because you think stupid. If you quit thinking stupid, you wouldn't sin anymore. See, it, kings really don't sin very often because they know who they are and they rule over things that would cause them to sin in their lives. My God, that was good. I mean, when illness comes to you, you're a king. You run the thing off. You don't take it. When, when unforgiveness tries to crawl into your life, you don't put up with that. Why? You're a king. You get rid of that thing out there. You're not a slave. You're not somebody, oh, poor me. Oh, this or that. And join in with it because you now understand that you are a king. In Mark chapter 1, I was reading today, Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. I like that even better than what he puts here. Yeah, repent. What am I supposed to do then? Believe the good news. The good news about what? The good news that you're a son. The good news that you're a king. The good news that you have rule. The good news that you don't have to sin anymore or any of this stuff. But you can rule in every single area of your life. So he wants us to think differently as a son and as a king. Once again, Jesus is the king of? And he's the Lord of? And who's the king he's king over? And who's the Lord he's Lord over? Us, praise God. We are the kings and the lords. All right, go to Romans chapter 5. We've come to a point in Christianity where we think it's a badge to have more problems than everybody else. What's your problem? Oh, you got that problem? That, let me tell you the problems I got, brother. You know, I got this and that and this and that and this and that. Well, let me tell you, I've got this and that. And if you got those problems, you need to start thinking like a king and get rid of some of those problems in your life. Even when something comes in our life, a circumstance or situation that's really out of our control, we can still rule over it. We don't have to bow down under it and weep and cry and complain about the thing because we're kings and we're priests. All right, Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, how many know that's talking about Adam, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So here he says, once you bring, come into the kingdom of God, once you're born again, if you'll receive the free gift of righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? Righteousness is your right standing with the kingdom of God, your right standing with God, right alignment with the way God thinks and God does things. So if you receive the gift of righteousness, then you'll be able to receive everything that heaven provides for you because you're in alignment with the kingdom. When do I get out of alignment? When I don't claim my righteousness anymore and I claim to have to get, 
qualify or make effort in order to get my righteousness. So if we sin, he never said, wallow around in the mud for four weeks and tell God you're sorry. He said simply confess your sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and give you back all your righteousness. So basically we're walking in a right alignment. Now if I'll do this, if I'll think, God says I'm a son, now I want to walk in righteousness, I'm a son. He says I'm a king, then I'm a king. He says I have authority then I have authority. He says, I have power, then I have power. If I do that, notice, God won't reign in life. You will reign in life. Glory to God. So our new position in life is a king. What's a king's purpose? To rule. Why live sick if you're a king? Why live broke if you're a king? Why live sad if you're a king? Why live defeated if you're a king? You can be a Christian and live defeated, but you cannot be a king and live defeated. Your position and authority have been given to you freely of God himself. So what do I want to do? I want to receive that. Are you righteous? Yes. Why? Blood of Jesus. You don't look righteous. Don't matter what I look like. I receive my righteousness because the blood of Jesus paid for it. Now I'm in right alignment. Uh, are you just a lowly worm? No, I'm a son of God. Well, someday you'll be a son when you die and go to heaven. That's Christianity's thing. When we die and go to heaven, everything will be taken care of. But what about the rotten here and now? See? He, he redeemed us for the rotten here and now, praise God. You won't, how many you know you won't need a whole lot of faith in heaven? You won't be casting out too many demons up there that I know of. You won't be doing any of that stuff. So now's the time we need this. Now's the time we've got to understand, not when we die and go to heaven. So it's not a question a lot of times, do I have enough faith? The only question is, are you a king? You can question your faith, but you cannot question whether you're a king or not because God already made you one. A lot of times we say, I don't have enough faith. Well, maybe you don't have enough faith because you think you're a loser, and losers don't receive no matter how faith they think they got from God. No, you, you come from a king attitude, from a new man attitude. So you've got to stop claiming things in your life that the devil has lied to you about that's limiting you. If he's told you you're a loser, you've got to get rid of that. If you're insecure, it's a lie. So sick, he's crazy. So weak, doesn't matter. The gospel of the kingdom is God loves me, he forgave me, he made me a king and a priest in the kingdom of God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 18. There's going to be a group of people in this end time who get a hold of this kind of stuff. And they're going to walk in the world and people are going to see Jesus again. Because they're not going to be able to tell the difference between the people in that day and Jesus. Because Jesus is going to be able to flow through the inside of them. They're in agreement with him. And you're going to see, that's when you're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles. I don't think it's going to be one big, you know, everybody's waiting for one big poof revival of God that's going to do everything. I think it's going to be individual people getting the revelation of who they are and walking like kings. And when you walk like a king, you're not afraid to do things. You know, there was years ago, basically, where I had a guy in the post office with me who, who basically had some kind of problem. And all at once he just lost it and they put him in a... One of those insane places or whatever they are. Well, I, I wanted to go see him because he was a good friend of mine. I fished with him a couple times, did some stuff. So I walked in there. And when I walked in there, he had to walk through this big auditorium. And it seemed like they had all the people who were loony in there. And, of course, his room was in the back. So when I stepped in there and saw all the different people there, basically, you know, fear tried to come on me right away because they're talking to you, they're yelling at you, they're everything else, and I just had to think, oh, God, I'm a king. What am I doing here? So I just started walking through like a king. You know, nobody's going to do anything, nobody's going to hurt me. Man, I'm a king. Do you understand? I walked through there. Now, without that kind of thought life, I may have turned around and ran right back out the door and, and mailed him a letter. 
But notice you've got to understand who you are in situations and circumstances, that you have divine rule in your life, that God is pleased when you act like a king and act like a son and act like a ruler. That's what he wants out of each and every one of us. He wants his sons to succeed. How many want your kids to succeed? He wants us to exceed, succeed, but we do that basically by changing who we are. How about if your kid comes home from school, I'm just so stupid, I'm just a loser, I'm going to fail this year, I'm going to do, well, first of all, you'd smack him, and then after that, you try to straighten him out one year and tell him who we can do and what he can do and how smart he is, and it's the same way with us, we've got to understand who we are. All right, Matthew chapter 18, look at verse 18. Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever God binds on earth, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on anything touching anything that they ask, it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. Notice now, this is not what God binds. Oh, Lord, bind the devil. Oh, Lord, get rid of the devil. Notice, we are the ones who are supposed to bind and loose things. And I'm not, it doesn't really even refer to the devil that much here. It just refers to things in your life. You can bind sickness and keep it out of your life. You can loose power into your life. You can do these things, basically. Another translation says you will allow or disallow. Another one says you will lock or you will unlock. And every time I read this to somebody, people always say, but I thought God was in control of everything. And I always tell them that's why you're living like a Christian and not a king. See, because everybody wants God to be in control of everything. It's God. If I'm sick, well, I prayed it's just what God wants me. If I'm broke, it's just where God's got me, keeping me humble. I do this, do that. We want God to rule. But now notice, if you think about it, we were put here and created to rule on the earth. That's our purpose. That's why we're here. So if we're going to let God control and rule on the earth, it eliminates the purpose that God gave us to begin with and you why, why people are unfulfilled because they're not doing their purpose thinking God's doing their purpose for them. Even though it's their purpose, they can't find their purpose because they think God's doing and has their purpose. Did you follow that? Yeah. See, that's why Christians are so miserable. That's why they're so down. That's why people commit suicide. They've got no purpose. They've they got nothing to do. They don't know what to do here. Well, if you're going to put God in your position and then not have a purpose, you're never going to feel fulfilled. You can't go to church enough times to feel fulfilled. You can't pray long enough to be fulfilled. The more religion you do, the only reward of religion are the works that you do so you can pat yourself on the back that you did something. And it did absolutely nothing for you the whole time. Man, most of the time it was in doubt and unbelief. So we were created. Whatever, whatever you bind, whatever you loose. He made us kings on the earth. You're not a slave. You're not a servant. You're not even a Catholic. You're not a Lutheran. You're not a Pentecost. You're not a TCVCite. You're a son of the living God, for goodness sakes. We've been taught that we have no control. We're just victims. I mean, you want to see this? Go on Facebook. You'll see a lot of victims who claim to be Christians on there. And I mean, they're just plain think they're right out losers. And God ain't doing nothing for them and this or that. Why? They don't have a revelation of the kingdom of God. They got a revelation of Christianity. We allow sin to rule our lives. You don't have to allow sin to rule your life. Lack and feelings to rule our lives. You don't have to let your feelings rule your life. When you feel like getting offended, you don't have to get offended. That's just your feelings yelling at you. But you're king over your feelings. You're king over your emotions. You're king over these things. And people, here's the worst part. People basically become victim to plants, alcohol, drugs. They dominate a person who's a king. A born-again, spirit-filled king is being dominated by a plant. 
dominated by alcohol. Well, it shouldn't be that way. And they're addicted and they feel terrible. Why? Because whenever you're not taking dominion over something, that's the way you were created, you really feel bad when something's taking dominion over you. See? Because that's what you're supposed to be doing. And you're being ruled over by something else. It's very hard to do. So we've been taught we've got no control. We just don't have any control. That's the way it is. People say, well, I'm just a, a, a Christian with a drug habit. No, you're a Christian who doesn't know he's a king. If he's a king, he wouldn't be a drug habit. You take authority over that drug and get it out of your life, that alcohol out of your life, sin out of your life, sex things out of your life. You can get rid of those things because you're a king. Now, if you don't know you're a king, how many know these things won't obey you? They don't obey losers. Don't overbay victims. Don't ever remember the guys from the Skiva that tried to cast out. It didn't work very good for them, did it? No, they didn't know who they were, yet they were trying to do something that they saw someone else try to do. They didn't know who they were. But you, you know who you are. You're a king. You're a son. You have a legal position in the kingdom of God. You have legal rights as citizens, just like you do in the United States. You have legal rights in the kingdom of God. You have a right to cast out devils. You have a right to heal the sick. You have a right to live in love, to live in peace. You have a divine right for all these things. So a king will not tolerate the devil. He won't put up with the devil. He won't certainly agree with the devil. Half the time a king won't even think about the devil. He never really, you don't even want to waste your thought life on him, for God's sakes. He will cast out the devil and destroy, continue to destroy the works of God. Now, why when you cast out the devil does he have to go? Because you've got enough faith? No, because you're a king. He has no choice. You're a king. And how many know he's not? And you are. Praise God. So yeah, we put a lot of things on faith and it's caused people to mess up. But if you learn that you're a king and have faith, how many know it's going to work for you pretty good? If you think you're a loser and have faith, it may even work for you now and then. But if you're a loser with no faith, then you're in trouble, praise God. So yeah, we are kings. That's who we are. And basically, we have a legal right to demand. You have a legal right to command. You have a legal right to bind, to loose, to live healed, to live free, to live in victory, to prosperous, to rule and reign. And you also have the right to have no more bad days. Hmm. See, that's your choice. That's your decision. You can let something, a thought come in or some feeling come in and start ruling over you for that day and get you to start moaning and complaining. Or you can take rulership over it right away, praise God. How I many know the first thing you've got to do in the morning sometimes is take rulership over your physical body? Yeah, yep, yep. Praise God. As a king, you do that. You take rulership over it. All right, go to Genesis chapter 1. All right, Genesis chapter 1, look at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven, and he created what? So here we see God, he created the heavens, and he created the earth. Right now, we've got over 6 billion people on earth right now. We probably have most of them that don't know why they're here, why they were created, what they're doing here. Most have no idea, therefore they're filling the void in their life of their purpose with sex, with drugs, with everything else. Most try to live a long life and don't even know why they're living to begin with. But God created, notice, first of all, an invisible realm, which is called what? Invisible realm, which is called heaven. Say heaven. heaven. Now notice, heaven is real. It's a real thing. It's a real country. It's just invisible. He also created a visible place called earth. At that time when he created heaven, he became the king and ruler at that time. 
and he became king and ruler over what? Heaven. Praise God. You know, we sing a song, I can't remember what song it is, about uh, before the earth was formed or something, you were king of kings. When you actually think about it, he wasn't. He wasn't king of kings until he had something to, a domain to rule over, which was a kingdom, king domain. So until he created the earth, he was just God. But when he created the earth, he then became a king because he had something to rule over. Are you following me? So sometimes you got to think back, basically. So he had to do that. So now, now he created an invisible realm, which is heaven. It's a real place. God's intention now was to establish the kingdom of heaven that he was ruling over into the physical realm, which is called earth. He wanted to do it, though, without having to come to earth himself. So what did he do? He basically created a man out of the dust of the earth, breathed life into him, and gave him the position to affect the earth while he's in charge of heaven. Christianity expects God to be in control of everything, but he never wanted to be in control of anything, especially on the earth except through mankind. God created mankind, his offspring, and his image and likeness to take over rulership on the earth. Basically, I like to call it God and sons. God runs heavenly business. The sons run the earthly business. Praise God. It's a family thing. God created mankind and his offspring. To believe God is in control nullifies the purpose for man's existence. If God's in control on the earth, then you have no purpose to be here. God does not want to rule and be in control of earth. He never did. God is in control is a doctrine of devils. That'll get some letters. Yeah, it's doctrine of devils. When you think about it, if God's in control of everything, why do I need faith? It don't matter what I believe. God's going to do what God wants to do anyway, so why, why should I pray? God's in control. God's going to do whatever he wants to do anyway. Why should I pray? It's not that way, praise God. You are in control here on the earth. And by being in control, prayer basically is used to give God access into the earth through your prayers. Are you following me? That's what we're here. We're not praying for this or that. No, we're praying to allow God to get his access into the earth realm because we're in charge here and we're allowing him to come in and do whatever he wants to do. Now, what do we want him to do? His will. His will be done on earth as it is in. But it takes his power to do that, his authority to do that. So prayer allows him to release his power and authority into this earth realm to do it. All right, go to Matthew chapter 25. All right, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is speaking, verse 34. He says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Look at it again. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, when was the kingdom prepared? Before the foundation. Before you were even created, God already created the kingdom for man to rule over, basically at that time. Notice, your inheritance is the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. So what's my inheritance? It's the kingdom. We have preached 
You're going to get in trouble. We have preached that all you need is Jesus. Jesus is your inheritance. Jesus is not your inheritance. Jesus is the door into the kingdom for your inheritance. Are you following me? We've stopped at Jesus, therefore we haven't gone into the kingdom, and all you need is Jesus. All you, Jesus needs to do this. Jesus, no, Jesus was the doorway into the kingdom of God where you received everything in the kingdom of God itself. So we want to sit back. We've got Jesus. Jesus, you do this. Jesus, you do that. No, that was your doorway into the kingdom of God, and that's what inheritance you have from God, not Jesus. Jesus is the doorway. Without Jesus, we never get in the kingdom of God. He is the only way into the kingdom of God. He is the way in the kingdom, the truth about the kingdom, and the life in the kingdom. That's what he is. But you've got to go through Jesus to do it. But religion has stopped us there, right at the door. That's where we stay. No, no. We go beyond that into the kingdom of God. It's been from the foundation of the world given to us. So it's inherit the kingdom prepared for us from the foundation of the world. So the kingdom belonged to mankind before the earth was even created. Not heaven belongs to man, not religion, not even Jesus is the inheritance. Our inheritance is the kingdom of God. God gave mankind his nature, his character, so he would go on governing in authority on the earth realm to extend his visible heavenly kingdom to the visible earth. Man does not belong in heaven. Heaven is a holding place. We'll be there for a while. It's a great place to be. There's no doubt about it. We've got a lot of friends up there, praise God. But they're not going to stay there. They're going to end up coming back to earth to rule and reign once again like God did for them. So notice our inheritance is the kingdom of God. That's the inheritance. That's why we preach the kingdom. Basically, rather than just preach faith and just preach healing and just preach... Because the kingdom of God entails all that stuff. Once you get in the kingdom of God, all that becomes your possession because you now inherit everything that God has given you through Jesus Christ. Did he give you healing? Did he give you peace? Did he give you joy? Did he give you victory? Did he give you financial stuff that you need? Yes, all that stuff's already been given us. So once we enter the kingdom of God, like, like he says, I've got many rooms in my mansion. In other words, there's a healing room there, and there's a faith room over here, and there's a room over here. The problem is we were never told we got in. We're waiting until we die. I don't need faith after I die. I don't need healing after I die. I don't need peace after I die. I don't need joy after. No, we need it now. So we're in there, and there's many rooms that God wants us to go in, and it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the entire kingdom. He's already given it to us. So now we come at everything from a king perspective rather than a try-to-get perspective. I'm not trying to get peace. I got peace. I'm a king and it belongs to me. And I'm going to guard, praise God, the peace that I got because I'm a king. I'm going to guard the health that I got. I'm going to guard the joy that I've got, praise God. It all belongs to me. Now I'm starting to think like a king over a kingdom, starting to rule, starting to reign in our lives. So it's all basically part of understanding that you now are part of a kingdom. You're a son of a family. You're an heir of God himself. So everything that you need, you already have. The reason why you don't have it is because you don't have the right attitude towards it. In other words, either you don't think you have it or you think you're a loser trying to get it. And religion taught me for years, the bigger loser I would get, the more God would give me because he feels sorry for me. Let me tell you, he don't. There are spiritual laws in this book when you study them out and that's what they are. They're laws. God does not work on you. He doesn't heal you because you're in pain. You know why he heals you? He needs you. He needs you. 
He needs you here. Why don't he want you to die young? He needs you here. He's got a purpose for you to be there. So he, he wants to heal you once you get into sickness and he's to bring you back into kingdom health, basically, because he needs you to fulfill the purpose that he put you here to do. If you die at the age of 20, all those people you were supposed to touch and save and bring to the kingdom of God from 20 to 60, you're not going to do because you're dead and you're in heaven. So what's he going to? He wants to do that, praise God. He wants all that stuff. He wants us to have all this stuff. And we've got to have that attitude where we come to him not begging, not pleading, not trying to qualify for, not hoping he will do something for me, shedding tears and hopefully he sheds tears. Hey, laws are laws. I mean, you know, it's a law that you need a car to start your ignition. You can't get in your car and pray in tongues for 25 minutes and say start and hope it starts and you can't yell at it and say start in Jesus' name and it's not going to start because there's laws. You need the key to put the ignition to start the thing. It's the same way with the kingdom of God. Your feelings and emotions do not move God. The word of God and faith and your opinion of who you are moves God in every situation. So the feeling thing doesn't, it moves other people. Gets them to come up and pat you on the back and tell you how good you should be doing and blah, 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 blah. But that's not it with God. You've got to know your divine rights, praise God. And you go the, a lot of places where it says ask in the Bible, it's demand. It says demand of your father. I'll tell you, when you demand something that Jesus paid for from your father, he likes it. That's it. You finally got it. You finally got it, praise God. Yeah, that's the way he is. I mean, if, when your kids come to you and they come to you and say, Mom, I want this or I want that. I want lunch today. You're going to say, no. No, you get down on your hands and knees and you beg like a snake down there. No, 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 no. You want to treat them on the same level. They're on the same level as you. They're, they're not lower class than you. They're your kids. We're not lower class than God. We were made in the image and the likeness of God with his divine nature, with everything we need. Adam messed it up. Jesus restored the mess up. So once we come into the kingdom of God, we go right back to Genesis chapter 1 where we started. Praise God. All right, go to Isaiah chapter 45. You'll come to a point in your life where you look at things on the opposite side. Sometimes, you know, you wake up, you don't feel good and everything, and you say, I just don't feel good. Uh, I don't know why I, I don't feel good or whatever. But when you get on the other side, you wake up and you don't feel good. You said, what's going on here? I should feel good all the time. What the heck? I locate what's going on here, and I'm going to get back because you're starting on top and working down rather than starting down and trying to work up in everything in your life. All right, Isaiah chapter 45. Look at verse 18. For thus says the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. So this tells you that the creation of earth wasn't just from some blast or wasn't some fluke or just appeared out of the heavens somewhere. Here it says God created the earth. Now, why did he create the earth? He created the earth to be inhabited. Well, who were the inhabitants that were going to be there? Mankind. So he created the earth with man in mind. Man was the center. Sometimes people think this way that God was creating things and he came and he created the earth and he created heaven and he created the moon, he created the stars, he created the planets, he created this, created that. Then he said, geez, I got about everything created. Now what should I do? I might as well make a man. But it wasn't that way. Everything God made was for, for man. See, everything. The earth was for man. The sun was for man. The clouds were for man. Everything was for man. It's not that God was just on a creating spree and decided to throw man in there. He said he was created, and earth was created to what? 
be inhabited. Now, how many of you know it's always going to be inhabited if he wanted it to be inhabited? It's going to be inhabited. So here he said, basically, man was created to be inhabited. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say he inhabited Mars. Does it? Saturn? Jupiter? Alien? No, no, Earth. He did Earth. So the only aliens that are here are us. We're the aliens, praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's been inhabited. You've been put on the earth. So man is God's center of his plan. He was created for kingship, rulership, through a personal relationship with him. Man was to inherit a kingdom prepared before the foundation of the world, and that is man's purpose here on the earth. And that's why you were created in the image and likeness of God because the only way God could have fellowship with you was to create someone on his level. See, we always thought we were created below his level. But, I mean, when you go out looking for a spouse, how many of you look for a cow? Come on, a horse, a rabbit. No, you look for someone on your own level, on your own thing, and that's who you hooked up with. Well, God's the same way. God can't have a relationship with people who aren't on his level. That's why he created you in his image, in his like you, as his children, put his spirit in you and his nature in you, because he wants to have fellowship with you. That's why if you get born again and still see yourself as an old sinner saved by grace, you have trouble having a relationship with God, because God has trouble having a relationship with a sinner. Are you following? You can't even agree with God on anything. Oh, I'm just so lowly. God says you're not. I'm just a loser. No, you're a winner. I just can't do anything. Oh, yeah, you can do everything. I mean, it's like back and forth, back and forth. But no, as you agree with God, as you, as you find out who you are, your fellowship with God gets better and better and better because you can come into agreement. Now, religion basically told me my purpose was to try to be good, act right, shape up, so hopefully one day you can make it to heaven. So what did I do my whole life? I tried to appease God so that if I died, I would end up in heaven. I didn't know I had a purpose down here. I didn't know I was a king. I didn't know I was a priest. I didn't know I was doing anything. No, basically, I was just trying to please God enough to get in the back door of heaven sometime. I didn't even know that I had heaven at that time. But notice, once you get in the kingdom of God, you don't do that anymore, praise God. You know that you've got a purpose, and you start living in that purpose. And that's where fulfillment comes. Fulfillment in your life comes when you start doing what you were created to do. Where does success come? When you start doing and finish what you were created to do. So if you're supposed to extend God's kingdom here, and you'll extend it through your love, you'll extend it through God's power, through God's authority, through everything else, through knowing that you're a king, then as you extend that into other people's life. I mean, you know, losers would like to know that they're kings. Victims would like to be victors instead. And you look around the whole world, it is full of people out there who are nothing but messes right now. they got low self-esteem, they got low, they argue over skin color, they're arguing over everything else. All that stuff is trivial. It's like arguing over because i got a brick house and you got a wood house. Racist. No, i just got a brick house, you got a wood house. they got a black house, you got a white house, they got a oriental house. What's the difference, praise God? It has nothing to do with the spirit realm whatsoever, but they keep everybody so focused on the natural realm that it messes everybody else. What does it cause? Division hatred, all the things that are anti-God, basically, so that people can't. And I mean, there's Christians involved in this stuff, too. I mean, that shouldn't be that way, praise God. They should have an understanding of who they are and what they can do. So we want to fulfill our purpose, and you do that, how many know, on an everyday basis, don't we? When we go to the grocery store, there may be an opportunity there. When we go here, I was telling them earlier tonight that, you know, we went to Las Vegas. I just kept looking around, and I kept thinking, my God, there's a lot of people in the world. 
you know, and a lot of different kinds of people in the world all over the place. And I told him, I'd love to have a scoreboard. Let's say there were 7 billion people. I'd like to have saved and going to heaven over here, 3.5 billion, and not going 3.5. So I know where we were at, you know, as far as the saved and the not saved, but you don't really know because most people don't know that they're in the kingdom of God or don't know they're kings. So even if they're saved, you don't know which slot to put them in. Because they're living just like the world, see? They're just, well, God's in control. That's the way it is. He should have did that. He did that, and that's where I am. He takes care of everything. You never know what God's going to do. He works in mysterious ways, I'm telling you right now. And they just don't know anything about it, see? So basically what we want to do is we want to extend the kingdom of God. First of all, how I many you know you want to extend it in your own life? Then you want to extend it in your family. You want to extend it in your church. Woe for the days when we have a church where everybody gets along, nobody gets mad at anybody and leaves. You know, those churches are hard to find. Those churches with 4,000 people and stuff, I can't imagine what goes on there. But thank God there's so many of them the pastor probably don't even know. You know, but you ought to be able to get a church of 50, 60, 70 people who love each other, who get along, who, who don't get in unforgiveness, who don't get offended, who love one another, who do that. And that's what you're talking about, power. We have power in this church, and we have the move of the Spirit in this church simply because we love one another. Praise God. Hallelujah. And how many know that's each an individual choice? I wish I could put a spell on everybody to love, but how many know it doesn't work that way, praise God? No, it doesn't work that way. So that's what God's looking for. One day, the whole earth, won't that be good, praise God? Oh, my goodness sakes, hallelujah. Just around the corner. All right, go to Psalm 115. All right, Psalm 115, look at verse 15. It says, You are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are whose? But the earth has he given to who? Children of man. So yes, he created heaven. He's a ruler over heaven. He also wants to be the ruler over earth. But in order to do that, he created sons and daughters, basically, in his own image and likeness, basically, so they could rule over the earth. Some people say, why did God do all this stuff? I'll tell you, that, that is a toughie there. The only thing I can think of is that, that God's nature is love. I mean, you know, the Bible don't say God has love. It says God is, is love. So if he's love, and you think about love, how is love fulfilled? Love is fulfilled when it's giving. That's why the Bible uses the word charity sometimes. So love is always giving, always serving, always giving. So basically when giving, he created mankind because he wanted to give man the same rulership like he had in heaven, only he wanted to do it over earth with his sons. It's like if I, if I have a business and I want to extend my business to a different town and I want my son to run that business, that I get another business and I put him in it, basically because he's going to think like I think, act like I act, make the decisions that I make, but it's going to be a different entity over here, but he's going to be taking care of that store, and I'm responsible for this store. If he needs help with something, he comes to me, and I can help him, because basically I have rulership over both stores in the end. 
Are you following? It's the same way. It's like if we wanted to extend the church to another place. I wouldn't start another church someplace and take some outside guy I didn't know who it was and put him in there as pastor because he doesn't even know what we believe. He doesn't know anything. And he'd be starting a church that was part of us that wasn't part of us. Do you see? Well, that's what happened when mankind sinned. All at once, God had this creature who was going to extend the kingdom. And now at once, he's got the wrong nature. The first thing that happened is two brothers. One killed the other one. I mean, that wasn't kingdom culture. So all at once God was in a place to where he had the whole earth and basically he still owned it, but the devil was basically running it because mankind messed up. So who did he send to do something about it? Jesus. Why did he have to come to earth? Why didn't God just snap his fingers? Because he's righteous and he's legal. He does everything legal. So he had to take his son, God, and put him in a physical body, part man, part God. So the man, Jesus, basically made the God in him legal on earth because he had a body. Are you following me? He had to do that. He had to bring a man in here. Nobody else could redeem us. doesn't matter what anybody else says. Nobody qualified for it. It had to be God and it had to be in a physical body because that way he had authority to do what he did here on the earth. That's why you've got Jesus Christ. It's not his last name. Jesus the anointed. The man Jesus had the anointing of God on the inside of him so God could operate in the natural realm. So now what happens? Jesus goes to the cross. He provides for mankind. He makes us righteous again. He changes our nature. And he puts the Christ or the spirit back on the inside of us again. And he's going to extend his kingdom the same way that Jesus came and got the kingdom back for us with God living on the inside of people with... Are you following me? Pretty simple when you think about it, isn't it? And people say, well, they died. They didn't die. They just left. They left their body. And once you leave your body, you're not legal here. You've got to get out of here. You've got nothing to do here. You've got no rulership. You can't do nothing here. You might as well go up to heaven because you can't do a thing here. But as long as you're here in this body, how many know you can do whatever you want to do? Praise God. And we will be judged by what we did in the body. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what does it show you? Jesus shows you the kingdom of God, praise God. So the kingdom of God, hallelujah, is that God is reigning on heaven. He wants to extend it into this earth realm, and he wants to do it through who? And he made us kings, and he made us sons, and he made us priests, and he made us everything that we need to do. We've just got to change our mentality to understand who he actually made us. And with that change in our lives, we'll start acting different, thinking different, praying different, living different. And by doing that, it changes our life and changes everything. That's why he tells you to seek ye first the... And your right alignment in that kingdom and everything else will be added. added unto you. See, things take back seat when you're kingdom minded. Front seat when you're Christian minded. All your prayers are about getting things from God, basically. But it's not. It's about what does God want in our lives. Praise God. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for the, for the kingdom revelation that you continue to give us. Father, I thank you that everyone here tonight and everyone that listens online, that the power of God would just rise up in them, give them a clear view of revelation by the Spirit on the inside of them. And I thank you, Father, for changing the way we think in our lives that are not lined up with you. We thank you for what you're doing through your word and through your spirit. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. shall be added on.